Welcome to our 200th episode live show. Kia ora koutou. Well, that was us celebrating 200 episodes. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. Dirt Church Radio is brought to you by Currens. Now, if you haven't heard of it yet, Currens is a 100% natural blackcurrant supplement used at the top levels of sport and by runners like Ryan Carr, who we've had on the show, Sean Collins, The Running Beast, and I don't know if you've heard of her, she's a plucky up-and-coming runner from the west coast of the South Island by the name of Ruth Croft, is it? Is that yeah, I think that's ring, how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah, Ruth yeah, Croft, so. some mm. Ruth Croft character. Mm. I think she's quite good at running, but she uses Currens as well. Look, there's been over 30 published studies on the sensational performance, energy and recovery benefits for athletes. You can only get this type of black current here on the Canterbury Plains because it's so freaking cold and so blazing hot. And whatever the magic works, I don't know. You don't have to eat two kilos of black current to get the benefit. You take a little capsule or two little capsules if you're (coughs) over 75 kilos like I am. And um, you feel good. Your muscles feel good. You feel regenerated. I don't have sore legs. I'm sure Ruth Croft's got sore legs, but she earned sore legs. And, you know, I've been taking it for a month. I'm noticing the benefit, and I'm not not a supplement guy. So you're not going to take the money-back guarantee? Because there is one available, you know? Yeah, this is mad. There's a money-back guarantee. So if you buy currents, take currents, think not into currents, they will give you your money back if you're not getting the... the Recovery. recovery benefits. If you get mm. like a compound fracture and say, I took Karen's and my leg snapped, then nish. Probably not covered. But mm. if you, yeah, it's a money back guarantee. And if you use the code DIRTCHURCH at currensnz.co.nz, um, you're going to get 20% off your first order. So not only are you getting 20% off, you're getting a money back guarantee. Um, you can experience the same recovery benefits as, as Ruth Croft, myself. Ryan Carr. Yeah. Sean, Sean Collins. Collins. I mean, one of those things isn't like the others, but you know. Oh, and me. Uh, Currens, C U R R A N Z dot C O dot N Z. Do it. Uh, the other thing you should do is you should get your eyes on the Ultraspire Zygos 5 on yeah, its way. Ul- Ultraspire Zygos 5 landing soon in July, which is imminent. And Do you think Grant's going to be out the airport with like those things like? You know, waving his hands above his ear, directing the traffic in. Yeah, I think the airplane he, in. I th- or is it I a think ship? He is. Maybe it's a ship. Maybe he'll swim out to the ship. I don't know. Maybe. But he's going to be so excited because we're excited. I can't imagine how excited he is. Yeah, get your pre-orders and go to ultraspire.co.nz for the new Zygos Five, uh, their flagship. Do anything, go anywhere. Pack uh, ideal for Aotearoa New Zealand races. Um, lots of upgrades. Get all that compulsory gear in. All of it and more. Um, mm. You could, you Little could even, phone pocket, yeah. maybe. Oh, whatever recovery s- supplement you a little pocket, you could put that in there. I mean, I don't All want to cross cross pollinate, but there you go. There you go. Um, there you go. There you go. And you should also get on down to um, your further faster. If you're in Otatahi Christchurch, get into the store. Make sure you sing the jingle. Keep keep Rocky happy. But if you're not, get on to. Uh, furtherfaster.co.nz check out their amazing array of gear uh, and 
general goodness. It's so they do such good things for the community. Those folk, amazing, amazing. Mm. Go something like further, faster. They're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy, and so is Badger. Jules is nice, and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster. They're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy, and so is Badger. Jules is nice, and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Church Radio. Episode 200 of Dirt Church Radio. We have made it. We've made it. Holy hecka. I mean, yeah, it's quite something to think of. Four years. Um, and it was great to get together with a bunch of people at Halatau on Saturday to make this momentous occasion, to, to mark it really. Um, and it was terrific too to have Katie Wright and Will Hayward join us on stage. They, they were great, weren't they? Yeah, it was, it was, it was such a... Such a brilliant time and and such an amazing conversation. I can't wait to, you know, to get into that. We also had some great giveaways. Um, I mean, we basically press ganged Devin from <laughs> Iron Man to I come up the front. <laughs> oh well, <wow. laughs> I'm sure he's resilient, but yeah, he, yeah. Do you want to we, come up the front? Uh, yeah, come Devin? on up. The no, front. you're coming up the front. <laughs> but he came up the front to do the draws, and we gave away heaps of stuff. Um, but that doesn't exactly make interesting audio so you don't hear that but but suffice say we had some very very happy punters um really very very pleased with an entry to tarawera thanks to iron man and entry to kepler thanks to scott running nz um entry to halitau uh riverhead rampage thanks to halitau and as well as some sweet gift from Sealy thanks to athletic so incredible yeah yeah i mean thanks to everyone who came along it was a, a packed house um and we even we even did an Instagram live that was your inspired idea about five or ten minutes beforehand. Um, yeah, so we, we went to the gram. Um, yeah, we did. It was cool. That was inspired by watching um, by the stage. Kind of, there's lots of bands who are touring in Europe at the moment on the festival circuit, and they just set up an Instagram live on the side. It's, it's mm. kind of wacky. Yeah, it was um, cool. So it was a good. It was a good thing, and. You know, we got out for an awesome run on uh, Sunday morning, which seemed like a really nice way to round out the festivities with um, Katie and Lola and Kunal and, and, and your good self. That was good, yeah. good fun. It was good fun. It was Yeah, it was nice. Um, it was good to do, get some trail time. Um, yeah, especially in those parts of the forest that I hadn't been to for a while, actually, and been down thing one thing well if we didn't go down thing one because it was basically smash a rooney but thing two um yeah it was good fun hey, hey look last episode last week's episode just quickly sebastian salisbury uh thanks to everyone for the feedback and i meant to say how cool was it seeing sebastian running into the finish with his coach hayden hawks at western states hayden of course coming in second and there in the video was was of the footage was was sebastian it was pretty awesome Amazing, yeah. You know, it's it's cool to have. It's cool to think that the future of the sport is in good hands. Um, it's 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 a nice sort of hopeful, thankful place to be. Yeah, yeah. While we're thinking about thanks, um, we need to thank our Patreon patrons. Uh, we took a long time. We took over a year to start up our Patreon because we, you know, felt frankly a little bit awkward about it. But to be honest, it's been a great help to cover lots of the costs of putting this show together for the last 200 episodes or four years. And we're extremely grateful for the support. If you want to set up a regular donation or make a one-off, then you can find us at patreon.com slash dirtchurchradio. But if you're not into it for whatever reason, that's totally, totally cool too. We're still here for all. Stop. 
Right. It was the latest uh, Backyard Ultra, um, this time in, in Otatahi Christchurch with the uh, crazy midwinter Backyard Ultra, appropriately named. Jeez, it looked cold. <laughs> yeah, took a bit of jingle bells, man. It was uh, on the coast there. Um, Sam Harvey didn't, need, uh, didn't seem to mind, did he? He took out the W again, 35 yards. That's 234.85 kilometres. And Brandon Perdue had 34 yards for the assist alongside John Bain. Um, and those three had, you know, they'd gone at each other for the final seven hours or so. It looked just, mm. like, just it's fantastic. It's, yeah. It's cool to see the, it's cool to see other backyard events springing up around the country. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And apparently, so John got to the end of um, 34 laps and said, that's it for me. I'm not going to go off for the 35th Brandon left on the 35th but after 20 minutes came back and apparently he'd, he'd looked magnificent but he said actually it's I'm all a lie here. <laughs> it's all a lie I've had my game face on um yeah so Sam got another win so it's two wins for him and yep. one assist and one uh at the DNF. The well, whatever it was at um, it was a DNF Riverhead this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a double yeah. DNF, absolutely, it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's proving to be pretty good at these things. Mm, mm. Another, mm. yeah, see how that one goes. It's a, yeah, it's, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, hey, hey did you see? Week... Did you see, by the way, that mm. they uh came across a bit of shenanigans going on out on the course? No, please, uh, d- do elaborate. Some people enjoying themselves. Um, who weren't part of the do you, race? Do you mean people having intercourse? Yes, I don't know. I don't know. There was lots of euphemisms being used, but um, oh. <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't know if that resulted in DNF. But uh, yeah, anyway. By the hey, way, last one. I mean, that's you know, it's it's it's, it's always a nice eventful view. at a big yeah, at a, at it's, a backyard. it's always eventful, isn't it? It's always someone you know, just celebrate the collective enjoyment of people in the outdoors but last week moving on we celebrated the incredible performance of ruth croft and caitlin fielder and that dig that dan jones had in poland this week there's another kiwi uh flying overseas ryan carr got up second at the samstang bgm marathon in the bernina ultrax event in switzerland it looks absolutely stunning and rather steep yeah Looked i mean when we say steep we mean steep yeah, yeah, but stunning. And he was super, super happy, wasn't he? Um, yeah, stoked, stoked. Congrats, mate. Um, and Weston Hill uh, scored a second, uh, scored a top twenty. Sorry, at the Sky Running World Series event in the Pyrenees. Um, First non-Catalan finisher. Yeah, yeah. And also in Europe, um, Lewis Schindler. I mean, oh, gutted. Um, so he was at the Ultra Trail Snowdonia uh, by UTMB and. Racing along um, was actually in, in in second place at the time when the race was stopped because of extreme weather conditions. Which, you know, when you consider it was being held in Snowdonia, uh, they wouldn't have been yeah. expecting, you know, twenty five degrees and <laughs> balmy. So it must have been hecka. But how gutting! Yeah, I mean, and 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 Katie was talking about that, wasn't she? And even she was sort of she was reflecting that. You know, and I think of Katie Wright saying, "Well, that's really bad weather." It, yeah, I mm. shudder to think, shudder mm. to think how how terrible that would have been. But look, I mean, 
moving not quite Snowdonia, but um, there was an Xterra event at Hanua uh, in South Auckland in the, in the ranges there. Race three in the series looks incredible as always. Haven't gone out there to do it. King to um, super technical trails out there. Um, the Puka Puka track gets a lot of love, as I understand. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was popping up in a lot of people's um, little race reports and things on, on Strava and the old socials of, um, yeah, the Puka Puka track kept getting a special mention. Hmm. Is that um, one that used to run as a youth? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I never knew the names of the tracks. Just get out there and run. What but, makes it so gnarly? I don't know. People were just moaning about it. It's <laughs> apparently very, very technical. Yes. I'm say moaning. Sorry to those of you. Whoops. Our windbox is going to be full. Sorry about that. Um, it, to those of you who are giving it some love. But anyway, look, I'm just going to distract that comment by saying Mal Lakin. Whoop. Uh, you know, returning to top marathon racing after, you know, she's been battling some injuries. Uh, she went over to the Gold Coast and bloody well won her age group. Um, ran a 252 at Gold Coast Marathon. So, yeah, go Mal. Fantastic. Great to see mm. her back up and getting after it. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. Send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Now, you already know that we gave away our second title winner entry at the live show last Saturday. We've got one more to go. Send in a greatest run ever before July 10th. You'll go in the draw to win an entry. Send in your greatest run ever to dirtchurchradio at gmail.com and just let us know what made it so special. We've had some amazing entries so far. Just quietly, you know, your chances of getting picked out of the out of the out of the bucket. They're not as good as they were, but they're still pretty good. Uh so if you've ever ever thought about sending one in, you know, please do it. And this brings us to this week's greatest run ever, which is from Lana Hamilton, who says, here's my greatest run ever, which happens to be the wonderful Tarawera Ultra. Fair enough to say, Tarawera and I have unfinished business and I'd love the chance to win an entry to go back and attempt this event again. I was going to say tackle this event again, but I have full intention of staying upright and on my feet whilst running. And she's put in parentheses, you will soon understand. So here it is. My greatest run ever may not have been may not have physically looked like it should have been my greatest run ever. By the time I'd finished six hours and fifty nine minutes after starting, well, it looked like I may have had a fight with a bear in the woods, but there wasn't a bear as good as that story would have been. There was, however, a rock. It was during the Tarawera 50 kilometer 2021 that I met that rock. I'd done the Tarawera 50 in 2020, my first time doing such an event, and thought, right, I'll be back next year to better my time. I'd done the training and I'd figured out what pace I wanted to be going, what times I should and would be at aid stations and my support crew to meet me. Lining up at the start line is magical. The haka performed sending goosebumps down your spine. The atmosphere is amazing and we set off to the geothermal wonderland of Tapuya. My run was going great. It was all going to plan. I was on time to aid stations and even ended up running with an old schoolmate of mine I hadn't seen in years. Coming into Green Lake in, an, in a second, it all changed. I kicked that rock. I would like to say I must have looked like a superwoman. I hope the dive through the air face first into the rocky gravel path looked impressive. I was, however, in instant shock. 
helped to my feet by a group of runners around me, panicking, thinking I'd smashed my teeth out. One lovely guy even checked my teeth were still in place for me, while others pinned my race bib back on, which had ripped off, cleaned me up, picked up my now smashed up flasks from my vest, and said, look, honestly, it doesn't look pretty, but you can keep but can you keep running? If so, start now. Don't stop for too long. I did just that and carried on. New race plan was just to finish. No matter how much time, no matter how much this hurts, just finish. I made it to the Blue Lake Aid Station with some help from another runner who had to stop to be checked over by medics as I had slightly blurred vision. Turned out I had a whopping shiner and a swollen cheek and jaw. With the support of many other runners who offered kind words and encouragement, I got through the last half of the race, still knocked 15 minutes off my previous time. (laughs) But FYI, Tarawera medics are amazing. Why is this my greatest run? Because I learned that in that moment, all your planning can go out the door. I learned that I had it in me to push through that, and if it was going to take something more than that rock to stop me getting to the finish line. I found that moment where it would have been so easy to say I'm done, but I didn't. And I experienced that supportive running community vibe. Those runners didn't have to stop to check on me, but they all did. And they all helped me to that finish line. Wow. She's put, and those race photos, well, they just tell the story. Mm. Yeah, we My should probably goodness. share those, but they certainly do. Thanks, Lana. Holy, holy heck out. I mean, you know, we've both had encounters with gravel and rocks and yes other uh impediments on the trail, trail and we know trail furniture that, yeah yep we've done com- combinations of flying during our flight flight paths during our runs and we know how much that can hurt um yeah i mean you famously yes fam- famously uh, and yeah. i still it's that sense of like when you when you're reading that, and she said, you know, I went into instant shock, and it's oh, like I remember that completely. And the way I also that you took off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and Harry, and I also yeah. remember just being in the air for a, what seemed like a really long amount of oh, time, yeah. and just going, yeah. oh no, but mm. yeah, that's um. Mm. So thanks, go. Lana, Liv, thank you for sending in, and the rest of you send them in, um, and don't forget you got till July 10 to send us one and go on the draw to win a Tarawera Ultra entry for the 50, 21 or 102. Do it. Right. On with the live show. I mean, it, it really needs no introduction. 200 episodes, four years. Eugene, myself, Andrew McDowell, Will Hayward, Katie Wright, and a bunch of really cool people in the back room of a brewery. Having a good old time. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by SOS Hydration. And if you go to soshydration.co.nz and use the word church at checkout, you get a special 15% little discount, little ticket, little tickle for listeners to this podcast. SOS Hydration, designed by a doctor for use by the world's best athletes and those who push themselves in work, sport, and everyday adventure. Delicious flavors, coconut, watermelon, citrus, berry, and mango. The most luxurious of all flavors. Ooh. Radio. To paraphrase the great Roger Robinson, there's been many moments over the last four years where our sport has taken on a greater significance. Running is a global phenomenon and it is an astonishing one. When Eugene and I started Dirt Church Radio four years ago, we really didn't have a clue what we were doing or where we were going, and you could argue that that remains to this day. However, what we did want to capture was that sense of astonishment 
regardless if we were talking to someone who was an elite or someone who is much like all of us, an enthusiastic amateur. We found that no matter the experience of the person we're talking to, there's something both unique and at the same time absolutely ubiquitous in every conversation. Many of us don't know what it's like to, you know, run down the track at place of field towards victory, chased by your crew dressed as dinosaurs, right? 99.9% of us are never going to go know what that's like, but we all know what it's like to experience the triumph when we meet a goal or when we exceed our expectation of what we can achieve. And likewise, all of us have encountered a relative degree of adversity, right? Especially since the end of 2019. And of course, I'm talking about the C word, all right? And just a little note, that's the last time that word is going to get mentioned for this podcast. So that word is banned here today. Collectively, we've all, all we've had through this time is each other and running. Uh, it's been our solve. It's been our connection to others, regardless of how distant we felt uh, at times. Running's been our friend, a distraction, an obsession. Running's been a comfort, something to envelop us, and also running's been an anvil, something for us to smash ourselves against. Running's been a void with which we scream our rage and distress into. But don't let me get too kind of profound because this is meant to be fun, right? This is fun, and it's fun having you guys here. It's fun that we could do this. Dirt Church Radio is fun. It's fun talking to people. It's fun talking to people who we never think that we'd ever meet. It's fun talking to people who've inspired us and who have influenced us over the years. And however, I guess the main thing that we want to get across is that doing this and doing this for you all here is such a privilege, And it is fun. And it's commitment and it's hard work. As much as you've all had your plans, you know, radically changed and your trajectories altered, so did we. The rug was pulled out from all of us uh, overnight. You know, the racing scene, especially internationally, evaporated. And Aotearoa was seemingly the only place in the world uh, where things were happening. And then that flipped on its head and we were the ones postponing races when the rest of the world was opening up. And it's been a real trip. But over the course of 200 live shows, or 200 live shows, sorry, over the course of 200 shows, the thing that's kept us coming back week after week is the community. It's you all here, right? It's great to have stars of the sport. It's so cool to chat to people who are genuine stars of the sport. But for us, the most meaningful conversations we've had of when we've been able to use Dirt Church Radio to uffy those that are helping others, to have been able to spread the word about such organizations such as Speed Freaks or Trailblazers Aotearoa or you know, you all, people here who advocate and fundraise for those that cannot. We've been able to bring you stories about people who've encountered adversity and pushed through with bloody-minded determination of a long-distance runner, and that's what's kept us coming back and will keep us coming back. So let's keep going, eh? All of us together. We started by paraphrasing Robinson, so I'll end with the great Catherine Switzer, who said, you can always tell who the strong ones are. They're the ones building each other up instead of tearing each other down. That was Matt Raymond. I guess I should say I'm Matt Raymond. (laughs) And I'm Eugene Bingham. Welcome to our 200th episode live show. We made it. We did. We made it. We made it. No mai, haramai, mai. 
Welcome, welcome. Settle in. Um, yeah. Just wait. Mic change. Mic change. Yeah. There's going to be costume changes as well. Um, some dancing. Yeah. Um, Eugene said he wanted something impressionistic. Mm. So we had the Grayling Clapping Orchestra coming, but uh, they had to cancel. <laughs> oh, dear. I do. The f- oh. <laughs> yeah. These are the bits we usually edit out. So four years ago, many of you, for the first time, would have heard this. They uh, stretched me off the course. When I got back to the road, someone had a pair of scissors and they snipped my uh, uh, wrist bracelet and they said, that's the end of your Western States. And then the water work started. But it was uh, one hell of an experience, that's for sure. It's what ultra running's all about. And then we just kind of jumped into it like this. Okay, welcome to our first episode. Number one. Number one. That's us. Yep. We're a podcast about trail running from Aotearoa, New Zealand. So who have we got this week, Eugene? Uh, we've got the big dog. We've got uh, Mr. Tarawera. El Pape Suave. That's him. That's yeah. him. Is he known by that? I, I call him that. Maybe just you. No, everyone's going to call him that now. But they yeah, didn't. Paul Chartres, the race director of uh, Tarawera Ultra Marathon, has been kind enough to be the guest on our first ever episode of Dirt Church Radio. Radio, Radio, Radio. So that was episode one. Sheesh, we sounded young. The years have been brutal. They have been tough. <laughs> they have been tough. But, uh, you know, also, as we were reminded this week by a certain someone, <clears throat> we sounded terrible. Um, but you could say that was actually a cunning plan because we did sound so terrible that uh, that certain someone got in touch with us and said, let me help. And uh, he has. And, and I'm also a far superior runner to you as well. It was, yeah, he yeah, did yeah. say that, that as well. Not only yeah. are you terrible, but you're also Pretty ordinary runners. Shit. Yeah. yeah, what are you chumps doing? Um, but, you know, the nightmare that went out over those airwaves meant that um, we connected up with our fifth – what did we decide he was? Fifth Beetle? Fourth Beetle? Anyway, Andrew McDowell – Round of applause, please, for Andrew McDowell, who has <clears throat> he's saved our backsides and your ears many a times. Yeah, I was just thinking how that would work the other way around. But mm. Anyway, uh, let's get going. <laughs> First, housekeeping, if you haven't yet, please put your name in, write your name down, put it in that uh, bucket there, and you will go into the entry uh, you will go into the draw to win an entry thanks to Iron Man to Tarawera. We've got an entry to either the 21, the 50, or the 102. And thanks to Scott Running. Um, who? Anyone try to enter Kepler this morning? Anyone have any success at Kepler this morning? Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. That's two. <laughs> but, you, what was it? Five, five seconds or something? Four seconds. Yeah. It's sold out in. Yeah. Sarah, although, no excuses because we heard from um, Sarah Bockham, who we interviewed down at Tarawera a couple of years ago. She got in. She's down in Antarctica. So, yeah. Yeah, so. That Antarctic broadband's pretty good, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want good anyway, broadband, look, you know we, go. we were going to have Grant Guys up here. He's been with the show since day one supporting us. Um, he couldn't make it, but he was kind enough to give us a Kepler Challenge entry to give away. Um, we've also got a, an entry to the Halitar Riverhead Rampage, and we've got some sweet CLE gear to give away thanks to F. Letitech. But first off, please put your hands together for David and the crew from Halitau who've been supporting us <laughs> since day one as well. Yeah. 
had our backs through all these live shows and, and we couldn't really thank him enough. So thank you, David. Mm. Um, what we're going to do is we've got some uh, questions. Matt put out an Ask Us Anything. So we'll come to that later on. We need to prepare ourselves for those. Uh, but f- first of all, we've got a couple of guests we're going to bring up. Um, the one and only Katie Wright is here. Um, she actually... She actually she actually qualifies as, as a co-host, given that she's been the most, the most guested guest on Dirt Church Radio. Um, and we're super privileged to have Will Hayward in the house as well, fresh from Hong Kong. Yeah, amazing. So for those of you who don't know, Katie Wright, uh, she ran around Wales, which is a hell of a way to get a greatest run ever. Um, she's done a bunch of other stuff apart from run around Wales, like she's the current Tutterwit 100 mile champion, came second in 2019 behind Camille Heron, and was the first woman in the world to win a backyard last person standing event over the road in Old Mother Riverhead. Katie then went on to be in the last four at Big's Backyard in Tennessee later that year, competing a spectacular 49 yards or 328.3 kilometres. Um, Katie's from Wanaka. Hey, that's where you were born in. The Wanaka accent's pretty... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, she's our friend. Um, so please put your hands together for Katie Wright. You've really flipped the script on us because we... Oh, am I in the wrong place? It's all right. It's just not going to work for the dance piece later on, okay? <laughs> so how was the trip up? I mean, are you, are you, are you mourning for the mountains already? It's, it's a lot warmer up here, hey? Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it was a pretty, pretty awesome um, plane ride up. Uh, some nice sunrises and the mountains are looking pretty cool at the moment, so yeah. We can organise if you want to go for a circumnavigation of the trek later on. Oh, yeah. If you want to high alpine. Get some, um, I, I, I did um, tell Coach that I needed to do my long hilly run yesterday rather than today. I'm not sure I'm going get to get the vert in up here. So, burn, <laughs> so I've burn. already done that, don't worry. <laughs> what do you say? I mean, on that, how has your running been recently? Um, slightly subpar recently. I, um, I had COVID a wee while back, so I was out for around five weeks with COVID, sadly. Um, just about got back in time for Mount Difficulty and then sprained my ankle um, on the first descent. So that was a good good welcome back. But we're, touch wood, getting back into it now. So, yeah, the next couple of weeks hopefully going to be good. You had a good time in the mountains last weekend? Yes. Yeah. yeah, up in Hamner, um, yep. which was, yeah, snowy, nice. And a lot of time in the hot pools as well. Yeah. So last time we caught up in person was at Relapse in April. Yeah. Um, how was that being up for an event that you weren't actually in? It was actually quite nice. It's quite nice just to hang around and chat for the weekend instead of um, running yourself into the ground. Although you don't get that much sleep crewing either. So, mm. uh, yeah, mixed. I thought you did a very good job of not killing Wyatt in his sleep <laughs> and stealing his bib. <laughs> because, um, but a different experience, eh? A lot of quesadillas <sighs> to make and things to do and feet yeah. to rub and... I think it's definitely harder crewing than it is running, to be quite honest. Um, you, you also owe me bacon-free bacon. bacon. It's really good. Have you still no. not tried it? No. No. Mm, no. This weekend. She was running around hawking it and promising <laughs> it, but never actually delivered. So, you know, 
was going to say we've got beef, but that seems wrong. Yeah, no. no. Non-beef. Non-beef, mm. yeah. Vegans, eh? Can't trust them. Uh, <laughs> look, it's been a hell of a four years for, uh, you know, both in general and I, I guess for you personally. And you're going to hate this question, but um, we demand that you answer it. Mm-hmm. What was it like going from relatively unknown, you know, enthusiast to, in the context of our sport, a bit of a superstar? Yeah, you're right. That's an interesting question. Um, I, I think New Zealand is is small enough that it's uh, relatively easy to know a lot of people in trail running in New Zealand. So um, yeah, it's uh, nice to get to a start line and uh, see a lot of familiar faces. Mm. Were there expectations placed upon you that you kind of had to deal with or or figure out a way to, to deal with um, once success started to, to to come for you? Um. Yes and no. I think I always place quite high expectations on myself. Right. So I think uh, that's always going to be difficult to contend with, more so than feeling pressure from other people. Um, I think certainly when I went over to um, Biggs in 2019, I definitely didn't feel any pressure from anyone else um, coming from here. I think probably since then and since um, managing to do relatively well there, that's the pressure has started to creep on. But again, like it's more from myself than from other people. So. How do you manage that pressure? Um, just believe in yourself, I guess. Do the training and uh, and put in the work to do as as well as you you're know, hoping to do. Yeah. And what about that sort of expectation from other people? Because I guess it's a thing, isn't it? Like you, and it's like yeah, we're a little village, mm-hmm. right? And it's oh, Katie, and you know, but you did something. Well, both people here but you did something spectacular that hadn't been done before and now it's almost like banister right with the four minute mile now a bunch of people have done it but you did it first and uh, was there that pressure from other people to either a you know uh, you just got to keep crushing it and keep cracking on and keep doing things or b that oh you sort of this is a a one and done sort of deal like I say, I think I just minimise pressure from other people, pretend it isn't that much of a big deal and um, uh, go ahead and try and minimise it so that uh, you then minimise that pressure from other people is, I guess, the way I deal with that, whether that's healthy or not, I don't know. Yeah, well, ultimately, it is not a big deal, isn't it? It's, you know, it's just other people's views and yeah. if you can figure out how to not care about that, that's that's great. Yeah. yeah. Did you, were you tempted to go quote-unquote professional? And give up your day job? I'm not sure there's much money in trail running. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, I guess it's difficult, isn't it? I think I use running very much as an escape and a way of managing stress from an already quite stressful day job. Um, And I think when you try and monetize something that is supposedly your stress relief, Mm. um, yes, there is definitely the temptation to try and do that. But I think I would worry that if that became a job, it then isn't, right. it isn't what it's supposed to be anymore. Yeah, it's doing another um, thing. Yeah, and yeah. equally, a lot of what I love about trail running isn't necessarily the competition and trying to separate competition from actually mm. just the love of running. That's mm. probably been more difficult than um, kind of trying to monetize running. Um, what is what is running for you? I think it's a lot of things and uh, the difficulty with that is that I put so much of what running is for me into my my life that 
if you then don't have running it's quite difficult because it is my stress relief it's I enjoy competition I enjoy doing well um I enjoy the training um it's become social life um so it is then very difficult when you go through injuries and Mm. and lose a part of what it is that is you um which has been a struggle over a couple of injuries in the last year or two. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, we've talked to you when you have been um, dealing with those. So have you figured out any magic source of how, I mean, you know, everyone in this room mm. at some time or another will have dealt with or will have to deal with um, an injury that stops them running, which is something, as you say, that they love and they yeah. build into their, you know, mental health strategies and so on. So how did you cope? Did you figure out a way to do that? Um, yes and no. I think I probably didn't cope that well with my injury last year. Um, I coped a bit better this year with COVID and having having to have some time off with, with that. And I think part of that is looking at friendships and uh, making sure that it isn't all just about running and reaching out to people if you can't run. Um, and, you know, we've all been there before. We all know that um, you, you need to find something that isn't running to be able to do and whether that's another form of training or you know, going and you know, doing something different um, and uh, putting a bit more time into work or finding other avenues. Um, the work one being the slightly less fun one, but also <laughs> good. <laughs> How is the work at the moment? Uh, yeah, stressful, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, an interesting life being a more senior GP. Um, last year was all about studying and this year is a lot more about working, so um, that's taken up a lot of time as well, which is great when you're injured and can't run. <laughs> I mean, is it a challenge living somewhere like Wanaka, which is so heavily focused on, you know, or at least the public-facing persona of it, is that it's this outdoor mecca, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's doing stuff all the time, running up peaks, that duathlon, swimming the lake, you know, to actually do stuff that's not centred around running. Yeah, totally. I think it's 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 an interesting concept to get your head around that it isn't normal to get up and run a thousand meters before you go to work, um, because <laughs> certainly in, burn. In, yeah. in, in, in certainly in Wanaka that seems to be um, kind of the average thing that most people do before work. Um, so if you're in a position where you can't, or even if you look around and suddenly realise that actually that isn't necessarily normal life for people. Um, is um, you get very pigeonholed into one way of being, which is is great if you can do it. Uh, yeah. Just a show of hands, anyone ran a thousand metres before <laughs> breakfast this morning? <laughs> do you mean vertically or in a, in a line? <laughs> I did. Take that right. Um, no, but I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Like, does it make it more complicated? It, I guess it for an enthusiastic amateur such as myself if I'm injured, um, but I didn't go and win the 100 mile at Tarawera. You know, that sort of thing is like, you did this and now you're not doing that. Is there much, that internal kind of self-talk or anything like that, managing that, is that difficult? I don't think it's any more difficult, to be honest. Um, I mean, I definitely don't necessarily think of myself as much more than an enthusiastic amateur. Um, still, so... <laughs> you wonder what it would take to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it will. Um, give me another couple of years, maybe. Yeah. What's on the calendar? What have you got for the rest of the year? Is there a race with B 
in its name at the start of the name uh, for mm. for ne- in, the, in the calendar for next year. I've had to make a um, few cuts to my racing calendar. I think the uh, one of the big things that I've learned in certainly in the last eighteen months, two years, is actually you really can't do everything. Um, so I've had a, a long, hard look at the race calendar, and it's still fairly packed, but. Um, uh, I think the backyard is going to take a back seat for a year or two. Um, yeah, I wasn't very clear on that. I mean, Barclays. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> uh, well, that that one we'll have to wait and see whether I'm allowed yeah. to go back. So that's, that's next is that, year, though. Is that, how do you, how does, I mean, there's some things you can't say. So kind of silence everyone. But um, <laughs> No, I can't say the wrong thing. We, we won't say anything <laughs> to anyone yeah. out there or the live and screen. No one's listening. It's fine. It's fine. But do you get automatic entry? Do you have to go through a process again? How does that work? Oh, there's no certainties with the Barclay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, whatever Laz decides he right. wants to do. Um, so we'll find out at some stage, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So apart from races that you have no control over whether you're mm-hmm. in them or not, what are you doing? Uh, so TDS is next on the cards, uh, wow. UTMB. So that's, I think, six and a half, seven weeks away, which is very soon. <laughs> Good that you got your hilly running yesterday. Well, exactly, yeah. That was how I had to. <laughs> what distance is the TDS? It's around 145 k's, depending on what stat you look at. Look at. But yeah. hillier than UTMB? Um, it's about, uh, again, depending on what you look at, it's around 9,500 metres. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Vertically. Yeah, a little bit, little bit of a hill. <laughs> yeah, I ran 9,500 <laughs> metres today. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's definitely why I live in Queenstown rather than uh, Auckland. Uh, it's better for training, okay? <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, we're going to get you back up again, but you can, I mean, you can welcome to stay there if you want or you can take a break uh, because we're going to get Will Hayward up. Well, Katie Wright, everyone. Four for Will. So as I mentioned before, for those of you who don't know, Will is a Kiwi based in Hong Kong. Flew in on Wednesday, I believe. Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Thank uh, thanks for blowing the DCR travel budget. On a, on <laughs> that's the, right, that's right. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll send, you, send you the receipt. Uh, don't, don't think I've done it yet. Domestic uh, travel only, Hayward. <laughs> um, he's an absolute beast on the trails and the hills in Hong Kong. Um, he shot to international prominence in, in 2019 when he ran 59 hours, 395 kilometres um, at Big's Backyard Ultra in Tennessee, eventually yielding to Maggie Gutul. Well, when we say yield, it wasn't exactly voluntary. <laughs> Perhaps we'll get Will to retell that story um, later on. In 2021, he ran uh, all four of Hong Kong's major trails in four days. That's 298 kilometres. What's that for, you know, someone who's done 395? Uh, and raised uh, 15,000 Hong Kong dollars for local refugee charity. We could carry on. I mean, we'd be here all day listing his many achievements, but um, let's just get into it and save it. So welcome to the show, Will Hayward. Thank you. And... Uh, Congrats on the double century. Thanks very much, yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, it, it does. It feels amazing. It, it, and at the same time, uh, it, it, it feels not amazing. And that sounds like a real yeah. weird... The dialectic is real, I guess, talking to you know, a professor of psychology. <laughs> I can know those two things in the head. It's good to know that we're going to crack in next week. But also, yeah, this is amazing. So. Yeah. 
just carries on. Uh, we did get a, a gas heater in here for you because yeah. you know that you know temperature wise it's not the same. How, how you know? Yeah, Katie, you Katie and I are coming from different uh, uh, baselines. So it was thirty three and ninety eight percent humidity when we, when we left Hong Kong uh, la- last weekend. So yeah, so quite enjoying this weather. Yeah, bit different. How's your running going at the moment? Well, uh, it was going well until I uh, kind of strained an Achilles. So uh, it's a little bit disappointing to do just as I arrive in New Zealand for the first time in two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so taking it a little bit easy. But uh, still able to run, but just uh, trying not to do anything too stupid. I mean, for those who – I remember running with you on uh, the Tehinga Trail, and that was a real – that was a pinch myself moment uh, – but we and we talked about this before. But those trails and hills in Hong Kong, they look amazing. For those unfamiliar, you know, can you describe essentially like where you where you live and train? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like Wellington on steroids, in that it's uh, a city, but it's seven and a half million people, um, just built around all these uh, hills that go up to about a thousand meters. So, um, and literally anywhere you are, you're probably 10-minute public transport from some trailhead somewhere. Um, and so it's not necessarily... I mean, you can, you can get really where you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, a lot of it is maybe not like pristine, you know, um, you know, bushland. But at the same time, it, it's definitely like nature. A lot of it is maybe water catchment. Um, so, you know, lots of areas where there's no development, where you're up high in a hill overlooking like incredible vistas. Um, and so, yeah, so it's both the, the size of the geography and the fact that the, the hills are right through the city. So you kind of start, start from one point, you know, run, you know, 20Ks and then just end up at, a, at an uh, like underground station, you know, get, get, get a ride back home. So it's super convenient. And that also means that there's this massive community because lots of people just find it so easy to get out there. And once, the, once they, get, they get out there, you know, can't stop them running. Hong Kong also has some pretty amazing races. And, you know, at the top of the pile, I guess, in terms of intrigue, is the Four Trails Ultra Challenge. Um, you know, an incredible idea, let alone a race. Uh, no entry fee, no a prize. really stupid idea, to be honest. <laughs> Says you. Um, but, you know, one hell of a challenge. Can you, can you describe it for those who aren't familiar and, and what it takes to actually to do it yeah so the, so there's lots and lots of trails in hong kong but there's four kind of iconic long trails that range from 50 k's to 100 k's and so the four trails is putting all four of them back to back to back to back um and so you start off you do a 100 k trail it's got about four and a half thousand meters elevation it's got lots and lots of steps going up straight straight up straight down the, hong kong doesn't believe in switchbacks so if there's a hill you're just going straight up it and then you can come straight down the other side and so you do that, and um, there's, a, there's quite a famous uh, event called the trail, like the original Oxfam Trailwalker was from Hong Kong. So people will, you know, train for two years and do the Trailwalker and feel like that's the craziest thing they've ever done. And that's the first trail you do on the four trails. And so you get to the end, you're exhausted, and you basically just started, you've got another 200 k's to go. Um, and then, and the nice thing about it is, so you do one trail, and then you have a crew pick you up, they drive you to the next one, and... On the trail, you're not allowed any support, so you've got to be totally self-supported, although you can buy things if you get to shops or vending machines. But then when you see your crew, they can have everything you want, and you can get any support you want until you get to the start of the next one. So you don't see your crew very often, but when you do, you're very excited to uh, uh, to see them. So, yeah, and it takes – so 
I would say between 60 and 72 hours, although this year, Wong Ho Chung, who's like been top 10 UTMB a couple times, uh, smashed it out in like 47 something, oh. which is like <laughs> absolutely absurd. Um, but uh, so I've done it twice, uh, each in the kind of 60 to 70 hour kind of uh, uh, framework, still haven't quite got under 60 hours. Um, which qualifies as a yeah, so I'm a survivor, survivor of the Hong Kong Four Trails. I'm not a finisher of the Hong Kong Four Trails. So I think technically it's, they're all DNFs, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and you also have to coordinate ferry timetables, don't you? Yeah, so the last – so on, so you, at one point you take a subway train because uh, you go from the, the – how, how does that work? You, Kowloon to the sort – of, just this what are the other passengers think for starters? Well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you, you, you tend to get a seat because <laughs> – um, and then, yeah, and then, and then you got to, to get to the last trail, you got to take a ferry. Uh, the ferry doesn't run all the time. And especially a lot of people get there overnight. So there's a 1230 ferry, a 3am ferry and a 7am ferry. So if you get there at 330, you've got to wait a little, little bit of time. Mm. Wow. Nikki Han, she became the first woman to finish four trails and she created advice from you as being a help. So first of all, what was that advice that you gave her? And second, you know, who are the runners in Hong Kong who are pushing boundaries and, and names that we should be more familiar with? Uh, what is the advice I gave Nikki Han? Sasha said, ah, oh, my wife says it was to brush your teeth, which is, which, which, <laughs> which is probably true. What, just, always just bring, regularly? Always or? bring your significant other to these sorts of events. Such a psychologist, hey, brush mem- your teeth. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's about the only advice Nikki needs from me because she's got pretty much everything else. Uh, she's like a incredibly uh, tough uh, S- uh, Scottish woman who's lived in Hong Kong a long time who smashes out everything. She's kind of the Katie Wright of Hong Kong, I guess. Um, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean the names of people. Well, Wong, Wong Ho Chung is definitely like world, totally world class. As I said, top ten UTMB a couple times. Um, I think he's going going back this year. He's like the superstar, like bona fide superstar. Um, I mean, the nice thing about Hong Kong is that, you know, Hong Kong is obviously a diverse city. Um, You know, most of the population are, you know, local Hong Kong Chinese, um, but there's a lot of mainland Chinese there and there's also a lot of, you know, internationals. And the running scene is like this massive Mm. melting pot. So, you know, there's, uh, uh, yeah, there's a great, you know, group of people. Um, there's a guy, Stone Chang, who is now probably towards the end of his career, but he, like, he won uh, Ultra Trail Monte Rosa, um, uh, Lizzie Hawker's race in, in, uh, in Italy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I guess those would be some of the names. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the racing scene and the runners there sound amazing, and just being able to get out and, and run with them on those hills phenomenal yeah but look hong kong is like the world has been through a hell of a lot the last few years how has it been for you uh you know both in terms of your your family and 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 your and your work and your running uh yeah i mean obviously it has been through quite a lot for for a variety of reasons um but uh well so this is the first time i arrived here on uh tuesday uh, morning, and it was the first time uh, I've been out of Hong Kong since we came back from New Zealand January 2020, uh, having just read the newspaper something about some respiratory situation <laughs> in Wuhan. And kind I of, don't think it was any big deal <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of flopped. Yeah, yeah. fizzled out. Uh, so, so yeah, and uh, uh, a little bit similar to New Zealand, actually, Hong Kong was pretty much able to keep COVID under control until 
uh, Omicron, and then just like New Zealand had the big wave come through, although Hong Kong had done a less successful uh, job at vaccinating its elderly, so actually the the effects of the wave were, were much more significant. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, so that has meant that, um, but it's done that by keeping the borders tightly closed, similar to, to, to New Zealand. So, you know, Hong Kong is a very small place, so uh, I definitely feel like I've run every trail there is to run in, in, in Hong Kong. <laughs> but luckily for us, unlike you know, some other places, we were always able to kind of get out. So even if you know, there were a lot of things were closed, like maybe restaurants were closed, cinemas were closed, you know, bars were closed, but the trails were always open and we were always able to get out to them. So, uh, so yeah, so that's been a real like, lifesaver. Um, the only trouble is that uh, unlike New Zealand, through that whole time, pretty much races were off because you haven't been allowed to have people kind of gathering together. So, um, so yeah, so really just gotten to kind of personal challenges. Um, I've done like a couple of kind of milers just you know a couple of people said let's go off and run 100 miles and uh, there's this challenge called the nine buffaloes which is very very under the radar low key but uh but one of the hardest things i've, I've ever done what's does one buffalo like is it a unit of measurement what is that, what <laughs> well, is it like? so there so there's there's quite there was a race that was that is quite iconic in hong kong called the nine dragons which is a 50 miler and then a then a 50k and you can either do either one or both uh, I think it's modelled under one of Gary Robbins' races from uh, from British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so then yeah, so some wise has decided that they'd call their thing the Nine Buffaloes instead because there's there's wild buffalo that roam around this island where you do this thing, and it's basically where you do a really tough hundred k and a really tough seventy k, and you do them back to back with buffaloes. Uh, well, the last time I did it, I was uh, I was doing it with uh, a Nepali friend of mine. And we, it was like the one in the morning, pitch black, middle of nowhere on this kind of peninsula where there's, um, there's, there's, there's no villages. And we came across and there was one aggressive male buffalo in the middle of the path. And I was about to run the 10Ks back to the town that, that we started from. And he just like grabbed this massive branch and threw it at the buffalo. <laughs> and the buffalo went, oh, and then just kind of ran off down in the side. And so, yeah, so definitely uh, just like Hillary chopped me up as someone who... Uh, <laughs> Definitely had some Nepali help to, you know, <laughs> succeed. That feels like that's a, that's a defo 50-50 call over eh, that buffalo. Like you throw the branch at the buffalo, it's either going to go one yeah. way or the other. Had you, had you calculated who was faster? If you that's right. To- I, think, I think he'd calculated that. Actually, this was, this was going to work out well for him either way. Either the buffalo goes away or I outrun Will. Yeah. <laughs> That old standard, any other wildlife it? you need to take into consideration? We have a theme anyway. Um, any other wildlife you need to take into consideration? Uh, well, there are snakes, there's quite a lot of snakes, um, which uh, will stay out of your way. But there's one, the bamboo pit viper, that um, is venomous uh, and likes to just it's, it's like it's it uh, just sits in one place and then waits for its prey to come past and then strikes. And if you run past, it just sits there, it knows you're too big to strike, but it's not going to get out of your way. And if you step on it, that's probably not a great thing to do. Um, and one time uh, uh, I was doing one of these kind of challenges. It was late summer, so all the trails were totally overgrown. So I couldn't really see where you're putting your feet. And I was like, at, you know, three in the morning by myself in this quite remote part of an island, just kind of praying, hopefully all the snakes are, you know, doing something else right now. Sounds dreamy. <laughs> so you're a behavioral psychologist by profession. So... What are some mental tools that runners don't use enough, but they sh- perhaps should? 
Wow, that's, uh, that's a pretty serious question. You wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Thrown under the bus. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think we all. I mean, first of all, I should predicate this by saying it's not really my kind of special area of, of, of specialist area of psychology. Um, More I'm, than the two of us, though. So yeah, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, certainly what I observe about Traran is is that uh, you know it it both attracts and develops you know, grit, stubbornness, all those sorts of things. And I think you just naturally either have to develop those tools or, you know, you just decide this is not the sport for you. And maybe that's the smart thing to do. But, uh, but if you're dumb and you keep doing it, then, <laughs> then, yeah, you just need to figure out ways that, um, you know, I'm not going to respond to the proximal stimulus, the thing like that thing that's hurting right now. I'm going to ignore that and keep going because I think there's something else for me further down the road. And obviously, you know, in life, the, developing those sorts of skills is quite useful because they will end up generally producing better outcomes in the long run. Um, but, of course, it's very hard to do. What are, what are the techniques and tools that you use without giving you any trade secrets? Yeah, I mean, it it seems to be the case, and I didn't really understand, although some of my, again, my wife would probably disagree, but um, uh, it turns out I'm quite stubborn, just <laughs> just naturally, and and probably more so than I had, you know, kind of realized that I had. So, I yeah, I don't, like, I don't engage in, mental skills, training, like, like outside of just doing that when I'm running. But definitely what I found is, um, I like, we, like 20 years ago, I, I did yoga because I just needed some way of doing stress before I became a runner. And I was like, I when, when I was asking people for yoga, you know, recommendations, I said, uh, look, I don't care about, you know, that kind of happy clappy, like mind stuff. I, I just want to stretch. But as I did the yoga, I, I really got into the, oh, there's actually something very mindful about this and it's rewarding. And I find the same thing with running. Like I didn't get into running for the mind aspect of it, but the more I've done, the more I've kind of realized that actually that's as much benefit as I get than the, the, than, than the physical side. You've embraced the happy clappy style. Exactly. Running. I'm yeah. a happy, happy clappy runner. Yeah, sure. So, um, so basically you're just stubborn. That's what it comes down to. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Is that... I mean, I've, I'm, a, I'm a... As opposed to the superstar we have uh, joining us today, uh, I'm very much a, you know, just middle-aged, slow runner who did one notable thing in his career by being extremely stubborn. Hands up anyone who believes that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get Katie up and they can out-downplay each other. It's going to be a race to the bottom. I'm so excited. Well, speaking of Katie, we should get Katie back up. Um, and get you two to, to reminisce about that um, famous 2019 Biggs Backyard. I just want to quickly say, in case you haven't already, because we're going to do a draw later on, make sure you've got your name in the back, in the bucket. Um, grab a there. refreshment. Yeah, grab a refreshment, and we'll get Katie back up. Radio. All right, everyone. So the reason that we decided... To focus on Biggs 2019 because it did seem like it was one of the last... It was in the golden age. It was BC, wasn't it? BC, it was. was. BC, as you said, that weird kind of respiratory illness that we read about in the papers and went, oh, wonder how that'll go. Um, I mean, for the two of you, let's let's talk... I mean, it was a huge weekend, right? For Well, for you guys... We expended. You know, we suffered, you know. <laughs> My thumb from hitting the refresh button—it's just—it's in a sling for weeks. But um, what was it like turning up in Tennessee and 
did you have any expectations about how deep you'd both go? It was quite intimidating, obviously. Um, I think I remember turning up and I arrived quite early on. I gave myself a week and went down and I think Laz was looking for someone to check the course out. So went and did a loop on the course to um, go and see what it was like. And I definitely had bigged up in my head how far I wanted to go. I was definitely going to win. Um, even though I don't think anyone else expected me to go anywhere near as far as even I did. So um, that was definitely the plan in my head. Uh, yeah. How, sorry, well, before, how was that going out to pre-run that course? And was it a moment of, was it surreal or did it just feel like any other trail? I think it just felt like any other trail, to be honest. Like, after, after me, uh, like, the, the initial of, like, meeting, it's like, oh, that, this is actually Laz Lake, like, um, was it was quite a, like, whoa, this is uh, quite a big thing. But then, I think trails are just trails, aren't they? they all, they're all pretty fun. And it is a really fun course. Um, yeah. But. And, Will, for you, what was it like, you know, that moment of turning up and then did you have any expectations? I mean, I didn't... I, I, I genuinely had no expectations for how I was going to place in the event. Um, uh, and I was trying really hard not to think about how far I would go because I figured as soon as I set a target, that's how far I would go and, and I would stop. And indeed, I did try to do that. Um, but uh, my, yeah, it was after 36 hours, uh, which is kind of the about where I realized that I did have an unconscious goal. Uh, from there on, it was all other people persuading me to keep going, you know, my own. But then, you know, you, you try and tell yourself that you're just going to keep going, but you get so exhausted that all that goes out the window. You're like, just that chair, just let me sit in that chair. <laughs> And then someone has to kick you out of the chair or t- tilt the chair up so that, yeah, you keep going. I, I mean, pardon, it, it did look like there was verging on, I mean, consent issues is not the right, but you looked like you weren't having the best time, you know, you're cruel, like, no, no, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're out again. What, what I found personally quite amusing since is how many people thought how bad I looked from, <laughs> from how early in the, <laughs> in the, in, 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 in the event. So I've yeah I've generally I generally enjoy those uh, those re- re- reminiscences. The backyard I mean the backyard ultra format um, you know seems an un- uncrackable code. It's just like everyone's always pushing pushing pushing. You two have both proved to be excellent exponents of it. Was there anything in particular that you observed or saw at that particular event that has gone into you know? into your toolbox as it were as to how you know how to crack this code of being able to keep going until no one else is you know one example i thought of was mega gutel talking about not drinking caffeine for a month or something beforehand so that the caffeine would have an impact there must be so many of those little things that can make a difference and and can help you keep going uh, yeah i think like will says actually just not having a goal is kind of key for me um other than just carrying on um I think as soon as you have that idea and I think a lot of people in races like at bigs have had that idea of kind of 72 hours as a goal or 48 hours as a goal or going further than you've ever been before and that's great if that's what you want from the race but if what you want is to go as far as you can go I think actually just not having a goal is or not having a set number is really key, um, like Lowell says. So. I, th- I think for me, the thing about the backyard is it forces you to pace correctly, and normally in races I do not. You know, I start, I'm fe- I feel great, let's smash this, 
And then, you know, halfway through, I'm like absolutely dying. Whereas with the backyard, there's no point to do that. And, um, but at, but at bigs, definitely, you know, I think Katie and I were both always in the slowest, maybe quarter of the loops, even right from the start. And a lot of the, you know, the big dudes that were smashing it out, out at the beginning did that for 24 hours and then kind of fell over. Um, and so, yeah, so pacing is key and, and, I try to learn those lessons in my other events and maybe, you know, but actually I haven't really had a chance to do many since then. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely one of them. And then, but I think too, I don't know. I mean, I think we risk a little bit, you know, now that the backyard's getting so popular, um, becomes a bit of an industry in itself. And, and there is kind of, you know, mileage to be made from like, oh, if, how about this tweak that might get an extra 1% and, you know, which is, which is true, but, but ultimately, you know, the thing is just to just to find a way just to keep going, like when it hurts, when it feels terrible, when you feel terrible, uh, to just get out of the chair. And whether that's your friends, you know, forcing you to do that against your will, um, maybe against the Geneva Convention, um, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, that's that can be really, really key. Um, uh, uh, not having a goal, you know, that, that, that helps you do that. It's, it's yeah, so, so it's just that fundamental, like, it's going to hurt. The, the other thing I noticed in, in, in our, you know, event was that the four of us, you know, the two of us and Maggie and Dave, that all went you know the last four we we all had that race as our number one goal like for six months or more so we were prepared to kind of hurt in ways that some of the other people who like oh i've got this other miler coming up in six weeks so you know maybe i'm physically capable of doing that but i'm just not prepared to you know to do that i mean speaking of hurt and and, and feeling terrible katie for you i mean you reached the point 49 hours in which is ridiculous um when you just physically weren't able to carry on i mean Talk us through those final laps. What was your what was your point that it sort of tipped over? It wasn't even the final laps. I think I think I'd have been having a little bit of a niggle that I hadn't really attended to in my hip, and um, in that last loop, it my I just couldn't get my um, I think probably glute to act, activate at all, and just couldn't do any more than walk. So it was quite it was quite a cut and dry. It wasn't like a this is something that I can work through. It was like I can't physically get up and down that step and I think there was a um, film crew that actually recorded some of my hobbling at the end that I've seen since <laughs> I remember just like getting to this step that we'd gone over 49 times before and I had to actually kind of semi-climb down via holding a tree to get down and it was just uh, that was it was a pretty clear this is this is not going to work I'm not going to get through this loop in an hour so uh, Katie, yeah. Katie has a great game face so until <laughs> until loop 48 everyone thought she was like you know 100% and then turned out oh no actually she's been hobbling for <laughs> for hours and and will for you do you even remember the end or does it come as a series of flashbacks no. in the night <laughs> What do you remember of the end? Um, well, this is the other thing, right? Like, I'm not sure I can really, like, with, you know, Hippocratic or psychological equivalent of a Hippocratic oath, you know, suggest to people they do go that long because I'm not sure, not really sure how healthy it is. But, um, yeah, so I, uh, I was on the 60th lap and got about halfway through and then the lights went out. Like, literally, like, so the sun went down. I put my, I put my headlamp on and all of a sudden – everything in front of my eyes was kind of swimming and then I yeah just kind of went into this uh, kind of fugue state um, so I basically became can you describe for those who don't know I know what a fugue state is <laughs> please tell 
what is a fugue state? Well, I so I was at some level aware of what was happening, but I was also uh, that my experience of that was that it was a dream. That um, and so uh, I and I was kind of it was like kind of augmented re- augmented reality uh, as well. So so I uh, was kind of aware that I was walking on a trail. I thought the trail was in the middle of kind of villages around me, so there were buildings, and I was aware of people being in the villages, but I couldn't quite see them, like maybe, you know, somebody just walked behind that house or this kind of thing. And uh, and I thought I was back in Hong Kong, uh, not in Tennessee, and I thought that uh, I was kind of trying to find my way home. It was dark. I was getting a bit cold. Um, oh, there must be a way down from, from, from this village. Um, and so I, I must have been like that for, I'd say, 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and I didn't actually lie down anywhere. So I was actually following the trail. And when, when they came to find me, so, so what happened, you know, was, of course, that I didn't, because I was in that state, I didn't get to the end. I actually did have some, like, voice right in the background saying, I think you're supposed to be trying to finish this, you know, trail in a certain time. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, you know, whatever. They, they, so, 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 of course, I didn't get back, So, and Maggie had, so she won the race. And then everyone, and Katie, I'm sure knows more about this than me, but everyone's partying at the finish line. Oh, Maggie, that's great. And then they're like, probably Will should show up at some time. <laughs> I think I remember, this was, must be about, well, 10 hours after I'd finished, and I remember us kind of looking around worriedly, like, where's Will? And then I was kind of like, oh, I should probably go see if he's all right, if he's, like, hit his head, like, start trying to run off, and then realise I've just finished a 49-hour race and I'm not running anywhere. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, they, so they found me walking back along the trail. And I remember seeing their headlight and it kind of like pierced my dream. And so suddenly I was like, oh, wait, what's happening? The bubble popped. So yeah. you, weren't, you weren't on the tube on the way home. Oh, You're in the middle of a field in Tennessee, yeah. just feeling all kinds of terrible. I mean, we asked Katie earlier, and I'll ask you, what was it like having that spotlight of ultra running world attention shone on you in the way that it was? I mean, albeit that you were back at, you were back at your desk at work like two days after you'd finished? Uh, well, well, I had to fly home and then, yeah, so I guess the race finished maybe Monday night Hong Kong time or, mo- or Tuesday morning and I was back at work on, th- on the Friday. Um, it was quite a long plane flight home, I ha- have to say, not the most comfortable ever. Um, but, because, uh, I mean, you know, you're a bit taller than us, <laughs> so plane rides would never normally be yeah. comfortable, but yeah. that one in particular. I think I scored an exit row seat, which, which helped. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I'd just say it was kind of fun, and it was something that uh, I definitely didn't interpret it as, oh, well, now I've got a profile and I've got all this pressure on me. I was like, cool, like, you know, middle-aged white guy for the win kind of thing. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. So. <laughs> yeah, hang on, it doesn't for us middle-aged white guys, right? <laughs> How much use were you at work that first day? Uh, very little. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly just, just eating. Um, was, it, was there much of the dream state during that day as well? <laughs> Yeah, I think by then I was kind of back to somewhat. But, yeah, it was definitely – I think I cleared my emails that day. (laughs) For both of you, is this something that, you know, we've had this kind of weird time since, right? Is this something that you are going to look to do in the future? Is it something that you feel that you have unfinished business with or now as it's gone? I mean, it seems absurd to talk about, like, 49 hours and you tapped out on your 60th loop and now we've had Harvey Lewis and we've had other people going even further than that I mean A do you think there's an end state to that what 
could be achieved? And B, do you see your place in that, or are you happy to have just sort of pushed that forward and, uh, and that's done? I am pretty confident my backyard career is, ne is now behind me. Um, I mean, I would have gone back. So I had a ticket in 2020. I definitely would have gone back, uh, you know, and tried out there. Um, now it's a bit more complicated because it's only an individual race every two years. And, you know, there's this whole now, you know, I mean, they're running in Christchurch, right, the, 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 this weekend. So. Mate, it's like podcast. Everyone's doing one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, so it's actually it's actually not trivial to qualify for the for for, for that sort of thing, um, and you know, and in Hong Kong we haven't been able to have races. Um, so uh, the Hong Kong backyard hopefully will happen, but whether it'll happen in the next six to twelve months is not clear. So I think it's much more likely. I've actually volunteered to help co-host the next Hong Kong backyard. I think that's probably where my future in backyard racing is rather than being a competitor. Um, and uh, yeah, probably more the kind of, you know, mountain ultra thing is what I'll, I'll be doing in the future, I think. Yeah, it's a difficult one. There's uh, too many races and not enough time, hey? Um, and I think, like, as Will kind of mentioned earlier, one of the ways that you need uh, or one of the things you need to do to do well at a backyard is to really commit 100% and I think there's so many other things that I want to be doing at the moment that if I go to a backyard I don't know if I'm going to get everything out of it because I will have other things that I want to be doing. Um, it took me I think probably a good six, seven months after backyard 2019 to really recover like mentally as well as physically um and i feel like I, th I believe that i could go further but i don't know if i'm willing to um risk the injury and the recovery time needed from it when when there's so many other things to do at the moment so um i'm on the fence on that one maybe in a few years time but i think um it will be a little while before i kind of go and attack one again i mean it's certainly not without a cost like you're right you turned up we were so privileged you turned up to our house to come and have a barbecue with us straight off the plane from Tennessee and I remember being quite alarmed. You know, you were cheerful and it was Katie, but like it sort of wasn't Katie as well because of the toll, obviously, that it had taken. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. And it's an incredible thing that you've both done. I think that it, for us, I mean, it, in the context of, of, you know, how the podcast was going before, in the before times, it was a real kind of stepping board and we were getting to engage with two incredible people from this little country. We've adopted you, Katie. I mean, it's fine. Um, who are doing amazing things. So, look, thank you for, thank you for doing it. <laughs> thank you for being so cool, and thank you for coming today. Please, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. <laughs> Katie Wright and Hayward. So we said, I mean, I know... As much as Eugene's favourite thing, uh, ever since the great Eugene Bingham interview ambush of episode 52, one thing I know about him is how much he loves answering questions about himself. So before we give some giveaways away, we thought we'd, we'd said that we'd open up a listener mailbag. And, um, you know, we got some pretty, we got some pretty decent, hard-hitting questions. So, you know, strap in, guys. So, Eugene, this is... It's going to get raw. It's going to get, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get heavy. So this is from Josh on Instagram. Bro, what's your favourite ice cream? Do I have to choose one? Ah, uh, hokey pokey. Matt? 
I like ice cream, as you can tell. Uh, no, I got mint choc chip. <laughs> what is, there, is there descent there? Was there, there? Whoa. <laughs> Should I say what I really think, guys? Okay, it's a vegan ice cream. There, I said it. It's the Duck Island. Yeah, okay, vegans. Yeah, all right, sure, sit down. Uh, it's, it's the Duck Island, black sesame, and, um, and I can't remember what it is, but it's a vegan one. But for uh, tall poppy syndrome, I say mint choc chip. We'll go with your first answer. Uh, from Amanda on Instagram, what's the most beautiful place in Aotearoa? That's a hard one. I mean, do you, just, do you take a poll? I mean, I, for me, definitely the west coast of the North Island, I'd say. I mean, I haven't been everywhere, and that's not... I know that I've had somewhat of a beef against the west coast of the South Island at times throughout the pod. It's not taking away anything from the west coast of the South Island, but yeah, for me, it's the west coast of the, west coast of the North Island. Just amazing. Um, Milford Sound is pretty stunning. Mm, have to get some votes, but um, you can't be home, can you? You know, home's got to be the most beautiful place. Yeah, true. It's <laughs> yeah, I love Riverhead Forest. It's so cool. There's <laughs> something so, and I, and I think that's the beauty of trail running, isn't it? We all run in places that we love where we run, right? And though, although when you, you're running in Fiordland or in Wanaka or whatever, and it's like incredible, uh, it, or, or Hong Kong. I mean, yeah, there's there's that kind of thing. Griff Reith from the band Super Furry Animals said the best thing about going on tour is you get to notice all the little things like the light switches are different in different places that you go to and I think that's the little thing about trail running. You have this amazing thing of like that's a sunset or that's a mountain but you know it's those little micro things that we don't have mountains okay. Um, <laughs> where I'm from. Is that burn number three? Yeah I know yeah, she just yeah, looked at me yeah. she's just like god. <laughs> but the light switches at home pretty good. So this is from several people. Um when are you coming to Christchurch slash Crush the Cargo slash, slash traveling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Mm. Um, we'd like to soon. I, I think I'm scared to go to Crush the Cargo. Yeah, I'm terrified of it. <laughs> and it's, we have to, I guess the thing is, we both have full time jobs, you know, and we have families uh, and are engaged. And we're engaged in our community as well. And we like to train and we like to run. So as soon as we can without kind of overloading ourselves. Uh, again, from several people, what are the best and most challenging things about Dirt Church Radio? You want to take that? Most challenging. Are you thinking? No, no I know mine. Oh. Being contractually obligated to hang out with this guy every week. <laughs> four years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the best thing is um, get to hang out with my mate and talk every week and talk to cool people. Um, uh, challenging thing is fitting it in amongst of, you know, two pretty full-on full-time jobs. Um, and family, and you know, we we we're um, we're lucky to be able to do that. So yeah, that's the challenging thing. Yeah, that's the challenging thing for me. I mean, obviously, the same thing: getting to hang out with literally one of my best friends and do cool stuff. And we talk most days and hang out and run and do all those things. And then we get to do this as like the cherry on top. And the challenging thing is, you never, I never kind of feel personally that I give enough time to this. You know, which is kind of ironic. My family be like, oh, "Do you really feel that, Matt?" But like, would you like some more time? But, uh, but it's that sense of almost a bit of imposter syndrome, I think, for me sometimes too. You know, um, but th- we've been going a long time. You know, so it, it, it never. For those of you trying to do anything, it never gets better. <laughs> this is from yeah, great, great, good, really hopeful. Uh, this is from Jules. Do you have a pair of lucky socks or undies that you must wear to a race? If so, what is the implication of lucky charms on personal performance? Well, I know that you do. 
Do I? <laughs> that was an unfortunate. <laughs> that was a yeah. really for those watching. Because my home. wife just went. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, it's been mentioned in the show. Before. It's it's been mentioned in the show before, so I don't have any. And you kind of you go from the kind of the continuum from superstition to magical thinking to outright delusion, right, Doctor Twist? And uh, you, you, like, do my socks make me have magic powers? No, I tend to brush my teeth. Before every interview that I do, and it's not a racing thing, I don't have any superstitions for any races or anything lucky, whatever it is, I'll just do it, turn up and perform poorly. Uh, but the, the thing with it is, um, yeah, I brush my teeth before every single interview or links that we do, which is odd because we record separately in our bedrooms, so I, I don't know what that is. I learnt another, I have another superstition which is never drink for... Tall Boys of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer before you record an interview. I learned that one really early. I did a solo one one day. I, never, I got away with it, but the next day I felt like I'd been poisoned. So, yeah, that, that's another you, kind of... You think you got away with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, from Benny, uh, best and worst guests, name and shame. <sighs> Who do you guys reckon? <laughs> I, I mean, no, I don't think that we've had a, I, I don't, pre, I don't honestly feel that we've had a worst guest. We've been super lucky, and I think that that it attracts itself to having cool people on. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come see us after we start recording. <laughs> no, no, I mean we we get to hang out with cool people and we get to hang out with people. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that in terms of best guests as well. Obviously, our guest is guest, yeah. you know. you know. But, I mean, um, sometimes our humour, like I will say our humour, uh, our kind of BBC uh, Commonwealth humour doesn't gel with our North American guests sometimes. Like I tried to do a riff on the whole Jacinda Ardern, Stephen Colbert, I'll pick you up at the airport thing to Maggie Gatul and there was just silence. She was just like... And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a yeah. It was a moment. Yeah. Uh, from Harry, Harry, what's been the f- funniest technical glitch you've had on the show? There's nothing funny there's about. Nothing funny. There's nothing funny. There's nothing we have funny. literally <laughs> wrung this man in tears. There was a click. There was just a click, a random click, on, and we were crying. We, we yeah. wrung him in tears. Like there's, I, I had a technical glitch the other day. I thought I was super dialed in. Got everything ready, brushed my teeth, turned my, did everything. Um, did the whole interview, realised I hadn't connected my mic. I just remember that. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> I got a lecture. No, <laughs> I, deserved, I deserved a kicking because it was like episode whatever, like high hundreds. Um, they're never funny, eh? Never. <laughs> we, I, mean, I think we've forgotten because we had to delete it from a memory. Uh, we recorded our links, so we record the interview separately to the links. You know, either, da, da, da. We recorded entire links on a Monday. I looked at them after we'd finished recording, and they were a mess. And we had to do them again the next night on the Tuesday. That wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah it's just but stuff I, like I'm that. not describing that as funny at all. No, no, no such thing, bro. Yeah. Some guy called Andrew McDowell. Don't know. Mm. He sent in a question. What have been your greatest runs ever? Matt? I can't even remember what the original greatest run ever I put on. I think it might have been uh, a Kepler. But there was a recent one um, where I found myself on Te Araroa, which I'd never run on before. And I was, I, we'd set out, I was going to pick Lola and Rebecca up 
and we were going to do a loop, but me being me, I was like, I'll do another loop first in the dark because it'll be sick. And, and it was pitch black, like blacker than the inside of a cat, that black. And I missed, Tiarado was really How well marked. How black mar- is that? <laughs> Come see us later, I'll show you. Uh, I, missed the, um, I, missed the, I missed the switchback by probably a metre and went up the old trail. So I found myself lost in the dark on the knife edge ridge with the howling wind and everything being, you know, sort of thinking to myself like, this isn't a trail, this isn't a trail, this isn't a trail. And sort of, I got my phone out and I had this sort of utter moment of panic. And then I just had this utter moment of absolute kind of like peace. For, and for the, for the first time in years, you know, I was like, I by myself in the dark, I switched my headlamp off, I put my phone away, and I just had this moment standing on the side of a hill in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, not knowing where I was, not knowing, I, I couldn't go down, because it was, I mean, those of you that know the Te Araroa in places, it, it, it's so steep, and I had this moment of just like, this is pretty good, I'm stuck in the dark, I might die, I probably won't, but you know, like it's got a bit romantic, got a bit sort of Wuthering Heights on it for a bit, um, and then made my way up the hill, and sort of crashed through the bush, um, and found found the trail marker a little bit, you know, came to a farm, and then sort of had to get over an electric fence and stuff, and it was, it was just that kind of adver- dealing with a different kind of adversity was really, really secure, and really, really uh, amazing, and then I just got to gap it back to where we were staying to pick Lola and Rebecca up and we went out and did it all again and it was super good and yeah that has been by far my greatest run ever nice nice um for me I'm going to pick a fragment of a run um and it was after the uh are we allowed to say lockdowns I just did the c word is banned but you've got it on your hat oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) um where uh in Auckland we were you know, we weren't allowed to go very far, and so I spent a lot of time running around in circles in a local park. Um, where I live is entirely flat, as we say often on the show. We both live at sea level, so we're not running a 1,000 metres of um, elevation before breakfast. But I'd spent a long time just running around and around and around in circles. And then I remember the first run back um, in the forest with Matt, and we set off and we were excited running together, um, but the greatest run ever happened in one sort of one small part where we hit um, Bastard Hill. Yeah, reverse. We yep. were, we ran. We were running down this hill, and it was the first time in months that I'd felt that joy of running down a hill. And I, I was so excited, wasn't I? And I was just just that just that um, I couldn't help but smile. Um, I was yahooing. Um, you know, we were running together. It was great fun. The light was perfect. Uh, you know, same in my was hair. There, you know, you know and it's all about yeah, aesthetic yeah. value. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and um, it's just that that sheer joy that we have um, of movement. You know, we weren't running a race. We weren't running. We weren't summiting Mount Everest. Um, we were just a couple of mates out for a run in the forest, having that joy of running down a hill, and I loved it. Yeah, that's mine. So there you go. Um, and that's the end of our questions, but. I do want to say thank you to everyone who has sent in the greatest run ever. Um, it's, you know, we didn't think it would go through. For no, very no, long. let's paraphrase this. He thought it was a great idea. I was like, I don't know if that's going to fly, bro. <laughs> Me being the sound business person that I am, no, 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 I want to ever be into that. And it's easily well, the most successful part but, of it. Well, just it just it's what makes it successful is that people interpret it however they want. 
and I love it. And I love that they just um, define what makes a greatest run for them personally. You know, we've we've laughed, we've cried, um, we've gone what? <laughs> Sometimes um, they they are just all of them are so meaningful. So thank you to everyone who's ever sent one, and we really appreciate it and keep them coming. For those of you who haven't, we know who you are. You know. Before we go, we do want to say thank you to our families. Oh, look, there's a cake coming. Fantastic. There's cake, which uh, you're all welcome to have with us. Um, well, on cue, we were saying, I was in the middle of saying thank you to our families. Um, you know, they enable us in the nicest possible way. Um <laughs> to do this for the last four years it's been a lot and we really really appreciate it they're not even listening to us they're only interested in the cake no they're interested in the cake look we have to thank Grant Scott Running Ultra Spire Joel Boda Further Faster um, honestly that jingle um, it haunts Rocky and it's a waking nightmare for him but we, we're never changing it so um, Thanks, we can Andrew. credit Andrew McDowell for that uh, and me making that up on the spot look Thanks to Wild Things. First of all, Mel, and then Rob, Sielly, SOS Hydration, and also to our new friends at Currens. Um, we did not rig that uh, no, draw, by no, the way. No, no, no. Yeah. You put your name in, and, and, and you take your chances. Um, thanks to Kieran for editing over the years. Um, we really appreciate it. I know. 200 of them. You've, a- you, you've, you, you've aged terribly. Uh, it's because I have to listen to you two. That's a very bad tell. Ladies and gentlemen, the only paid member of Dirt Church Radio. <laughs> uh, thank you too to Rigby. He couldn't be with us today, but uh, you're the best mascot and F-bomb cover-upper that a pod show, podcast show could ever have. And look, most of all, we'd like to thank you. We started out the show by thanking you, and uh, we'll end it by thanking you. Thank you all. Thank you all. Uh, those watching on uh, the social medias, thank you to those listening, and thank you to those who've come to watch us. Um, thank you for your words. Thank you for keeping us accountable. Thank you for sending in your greatest runs ever. Um, let's keep cracking on. 200 more. All right. Cheers. You two, you guys have kept us all entertained for four years now, so on behalf of all your audience, thank you for everything that the two of you have done. I think the friendship that you have, you know, just bringing it together and bringing this awesome community together, hands off there, hats off there. Thanks, Rigby.